again, Memphis, and welcome to Storyboard 30. Storyboard 30 is taken right out of the pages of Storyboard Memphis, the nonprofit multimedia publication that focuses on our local arts, community, culture, and history. And I'm your host, Mark Fleischer. Speaking of community and culture and history, today's show focuses on just that and the efforts of a local group that has been working for eight years now on saving and finding new uses for the Mid-South Coliseum that landmark 1964 indoor stadium at the fairgrounds that was the first public racially integrated facility built in the Mid-South and famously has been the home to countless concerts and sporting events, community rallies and gatherings, and is known worldwide for hosting the likes of Elvis Presley, The Beatles, Stax Performers, The Memphis Tigers, Pro Wrestling, and of course, high school graduations. The historic venue is once again under the threat of demolition, made more urgent by Mayor Strickland's recent proposal to tear it down in favor of a new soccer stadium for Memphis's minor league club 901 FC. Counter to that, the Coliseum Coalition has been front and center in the efforts to save the landmark and put forth the development plans for future reuse. And this past week, the week of March 13, 2023, the coalition held a press conference outside the Coliseum announcing an ask to the Memphis City Council to review their plans. We will hear that press conference in its entirety later in the show. But before this week, in December of 2022, when demolition threats had initially resurfaced, I sat down with Coliseum Coalition co-founder Marvin Stockwell. We met at Memphis's Crosstown Concourse, that massive 1.5 million square foot vertical village once vacant for 20 years that is now a shining example of almost Herculean efforts in restoration and repurposing. With that inspiration as our backdrop, Marvin and I spoke about the roots of the Coliseum Coalition's founding. Remember the Coliseum Coalition, which yeah. is well. Explain what the Coliseum sure. Coalition is. Sure. So I I, uh, I co-founded the Coliseum Coalition in early 2015. In in uh, fall of 2014, my friend Mike McCarthy and I were at a, a school function for our kids, and I said, "Hey, Mike, how's it going?" He goes, "He had this look at his face, like, oh man, I'm not doing good." So what's what's going wrong, Mike? You know and he said, well, haven't you read the news? They're going to bulldoze the Coliseum, that's uh-huh. all. Uh-huh. I said, oh, Mike, they'd never do that. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, read the paper, you know. It's like um, stale ideas fueled by greed. It's, it looks like they've got the, the votes to do it. And sure enough, the city council had issued a, a resolution in favor of then-Housing and Community Development Director Robert Lipscomb's plan uh, to pursue the Tourism Development Zone uh, funding uh, plan. Uh, which called for the demolition of the Coliseum. Mm. So, Mm. um, but the way the Tourism Development Zone law works is that before you go petition Nashville, you have to have um, the backing of local government. Mm. Since Memphis has city and county government, um, okay, so one of those two bodies had passed a resolution in favor of that. Mm. So one of the first things that the Coliseum Coalition did was even before the Coliseum Coalition was uh, was incorporated, really, uh, m- uh, my friend and re- restaurateur Taylor Berger, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't like the Tourism Development Zone plan as it was being rolled out. Uh, he wasn't so much a big fan of the Coliseum, um, but we met up and we had a shared desire to have more conversation around what the TDZ meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we put together an event called Fairgrounds Forum at Circuit Playhouse in January of 2015 mm-hmm. and packed the place out 
uh, we had uh, Republican Mark Billingsley and Democrat Reginald Milton uh, as two of the featured speakers that night. Mm -hmm. And both of them had reservations about a, a youth sports-centric tourism development zone plan. Mm -hmm. uh, in hindsight, it's now kind of public knowledge that uh, Billingsley had a had game day baseball in his in his district, and game day baseball was worried that that was going to be unnecessary competition. Mm -hmm. Reginald Milton just on the merits didn't like anything that brought the Coliseum down. But so what we were able to bring to bear was uh, a Republican and a Democrat, uh, one white, one black, saying uh, against. Uh, the, the, not not against the plan, but we want more information. Mm -hmm. So then, pretty soon thereafter, uh, the county commission pulled the uh, agenda item from their agenda. Uh -huh. uh, and so then, Robert Lipscomb had divided government, and so he didn't have the support of local government. Yeah. Uh, and that that's when he had to kind of really turn and face us grassroots actors. So we didn't realize it at the time. In hindsight, I now look back and see what a pivotal. You know, early you know uh, victory that was. We, we essentially that's what won the early stay of execution, and then the Coliseum Coalition incorporated, and we just won the war of ideas, and we just we we painted a more beautiful uh, uh, narrative of possibility, and that resonated with the public. I was going to say, yeah, that's that you won the you won the the the, the public opinion over in terms of. Yeah you know, finding a way to activate the Coliseum and, and not, not lose it. Yeah, pe people said, uh, at, at, in the early going, when we would say, hey, we're the Coliseum Coalition, we, we believe we should save the Coliseum and reopen it. And we, this is the reaction we'd get. We'd have people go, you know, I don't know whether it's okay to say this, but I've always loved the Coliseum. Is, is that okay for me to say? Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. we'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's okay to say. We love the Coliseum too. Yeah. Flash forward to today, and when you say, and, I, and now that we've given north of 130 VIP tours for potential investors, um, we'll say this building, you know, behind me that you're looking at here is, you know, and we said we're about to go take a tour of this building. Uh, we think it should be saved and, and reopened, and people immediately cut to the question, yeah, exactly. When is it set to reopen? Mm -hmm. They assume it's going to reopen, yeah. and that has to do, I believe, with the sea change in Memphis. I talked about a, you know, a, a low civic ebb of enthusiasm right, in right. 06, 07. Flash forward to today, with civic wins like Crosstown Concourse, uh, mm -hmm. the 19th Century Club, uh, the Chiska Hotel, the, 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 the uh, Levitt Shell, now the Overton Park Shell. Tennessee Brewery. Tennessee Brewery. Yeah. Um, uh, Claiborne Temple. Yeah. So Memphis has a, a uh, has a has developed a reputation for adaptive reuse now that I think it's the expectation. So yeah, early on, that wasn't the case. You could point to a couple things. We built FedEx Forum, and uh, and 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 I guess the Levitt sh the the shell had come back online. Right. But that's that wasn't a trend yet. Yeah. Uh, but we just we people were more responsive to uh, a message of possibility. And, and so many great, amazing things happened in that building. And, and by the way, people who were too young to have ever gone to the Coliseum in its heyday loved the building for its authenticity, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So uh, in hindsight, you know, I mean, not to kind of undersell, you know, how hard we worked, we, we worked our tails off, but I'm just saying like the, the public was ready to, to hear a message like that and say, yes, yes, yeah. we love the Coliseum. Yeah. So you saw pretty quickly uh, in, 
reflected in public opinion polls, uh, it just changed pretty dramatically in favor of reopening the Coliseum. After that sit-down at Crosstown Concourse, we took a short drive east to the fairgrounds at Liberty Park, and on a breezy and chilly December afternoon, took a walk um, around the historic Mid-South Coliseum. Well, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say, these are no, where we normally take uh, people through the tours, through that uh, uh, to that big bay door. Mm -hmm. We've given north of 130 uh, VIP tours for potential investors, structural experts, uh, other influencers, you know, the media, right? every once in a while. So, yeah, we, we've become really well acquainted with the kind of backside of the house, if you will, uh, of the Mid-South Coliseum. And it's, it's kind of a... Now, see, me... Not, you know, not having grown up here, uh, for me, I have never gotten to see the Coliseum active. Yeah. So I would say for me personally, nostalgia is a big, big deal. Yeah. And, and also, um, something we talked about before, the, um, the generations of families who have grown up going to the Coliseum, you know, all the way from the high school graduations we talked about before, yeah. you know, through concerts um, and so on and so on, that there is value to that. Sure. I mean, you know, you know one of the reasons we chose the, the community, of, of all the, the uh, murals here we have hung, the, the middle one, uh, community, is the, is the is a person graduating. Right. It's, a, it's a cap and gown, Got right? It, yeah. So, <clears throat> and that's because, you know, like the Coliseum was known as the Palace of Graduations. I graduated high school and college from right here. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, you know, Memphis has a problem where uh, when you graduate, you have to either graduate somewhere in Mississippi or you have a, a ticketing kind of situation to where, you know, aunt so-and-so aunt might not make the cut, you know, and imagine the kind of family confugality that might ensue there. Right, You right. know, like, because if you've got an extended family and they all want to come see you graduate, you, you can't do that. Well, when we had the Coliseum open as a, as a graduation venue, anybody and everybody could come, and it was it was a, it was a point, uh, it was a celebration. It was it was it was a, it was a launching point for like civic pride, but also family pride and, and family joy yeah. at seeing people cross those thresholds into a, into the next phase of life. Yeah. So let's keep walking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the, so another, so something else we've been talking about is yeah. the, the condition of the building. Which, I mean, even to me, as someone who um, wouldn't really know any better, mm -hmm. um, I can look at it and go, "It's it's not. It just needs a little cleanup." It, from yeah. from from my perspective, you know, um, I don't see anything glaring. And I've, of the tours I've taken before, uh -huh. I still haven't seen anything glaring that would, you know, that would say that that it's in bad shape. Yeah. Well, that was our initial thought. Uh, we just kind of knew in our bones that the building was in pretty good shape. Mm -hmm. uh, and it took us a couple of years to gain access so that we could do our own assessment. Um, we, we got in in 2016 to do our own assessment led by uh, um, historic preservation architect uh, uh, Chooch Pickard. Right. He led a, a volunteer t team of, of architects uh, and they spent three full days inside the Coliseum uh, to produce an assessment in late 2016 that showed that the building was in excellent shape. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> you, you could say, well, how much can we trust that the advocates who love the building uh, can be trusted on that? So that's the reason we have the kind of double blind value of the city's own right. assessment done by the firm of Allen and Hoschel. 
in the pursuit, in their doing their due diligence of the tourism development zone in 2018, mm -hmm. uh, that corroborated those findings. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we now have two separate assessments that show that the building is in excellent shape, including the city's own assessment, uh, that's pretty ironclad to me. Yeah. Runs away with you about the possibilities. And then when you think about the historical backcloth uh, and the kind of rich cultural, especially in those first few panels, uh, on into the future. These, these murals were really made to go from the past into the future. You, know, you start with culture and Otis Redding and talent and Larry Finch, uh, Justice Baker Motley. I'm, I'm going to screw up her name. Uh, but she, she was the, the, the justice that, that uh, desegregated uh, the park system. Uh, Watson versus the city of Memphis. She argued in front of the Supreme Court. Kind of a, a very important figure, considering that this is this is this is essentially a park. You know? right. So uh, there was a, apparently the city of Memphis wanted to integrate the park systems over time, and she won the case, uh, and uh, and and it was and the, the Supreme Court ruled, no, no, you're going to desegregate them all at once immediately. Right. Uh, but and a lot of people, I, I didn't even know that before we got into this. So she was a very important figure that we wanted to. Uh, capture in the murals, obviously graduations. And then we did a collaboration with our friends over at the Unapologetic uh, uh, Artist and, and Enclave uh, and, and about fashion, you know, with our, with our, with our um, uh, friend James Dukes. Uh, I think they represent the future of Memphis music. So, you know, Otis Rep Redding might represent the past. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that's from a picture, by the way, that's a, that, that mural was a, is a rendering from a picture in, from 1968 of Otis Redding playing inside the Coliseum. Oh, wow. That now the Stax Museum owns. It was previously unknown to exist. Uh -huh. And they found just here in the last few years, some full color photographs of Otis Redding playing at the Coliseum. So that's a mural version of that. Oh, but flash wow. forward to Unapologetic, they're making really urgent music of today. And then obviously the last panel is Imagination. Uh, and you just got three kids and like the, 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 the possibilities are endless as yeah. to what we might envision. And some of the ideas that have come forward and be, have been suggested were you, are use types that didn't even exist when the Coliseum was open in its first phase. Right. You know, right. so I, I think there's a lot of building utility and uh, I think on top of that, it would be a it would be a shame if we didn't honor the civil rights music wrestling and basketball provenance that's contained in this building right um, right it should be a shame yeah and then this past week on wednesday march 15th the coliseum coalition held a press conference on the north side of the coliseum to present their case to the city to city council and to the community the press conference was kicked off by a coalition member and orange mountain resident Angela Barksdale. Good morning, Memphis. First of all, I would like to welcome all of you to this press conference. Your presence today shows that there is a real care and concern for this historic building and what it means to our community. Before we get started with our speakers, I want to recognize a few people who are here today and are important to the ongoing effort to save this community asset. Would my board members please step forward? We have Corey Strong, Chief Pritchard, Mark Jones, Marvin Stockwell, Roy Barnes, and Ted Pearson. These are the Coliseum board members. They've been working diligently to save this building, and with your support, we can do this. I would also like to recognize some community organizers and uh, people that are in support of the Coliseum Coalition. 
Miss Luella Marshall. Uh, Mr. Shelton McGee, we have the support of some politicians, which I will not name at this point. But we do have support, and we ask that we continue this support throughout the city. Uh, I would also like to thank the public officials that are not here for certain reasons, but we want to thank them anyway because we need their support. I said that's true. Yeah. Now I want to turn it over to the board member, Corey Strong, who will go over our agenda for today. Thank you. So thank you, Angela, pillar in the community. And so um, only reason I'm up here is because she, she said I could be up here today. So I appreciate uh, everything she has done, um, really driving this forward. Uh, so the purpose of today is really to discuss, there's been a lot of news uh, about potential disposition of this building. Um, we as Coliseum Coalition want to make sure that there is a public voice as a part of, of, of this ongoing conversation. Uh, and so we're going to go over a few things. One, we want you to understand why this building is important. We want you to understand that there is a plan for what this building could be used for. Uh, we also want you to understand that we are in support of not only FC and having a soccer venue. And so we're going to have a couple speakers to to uh, talk about those things. So I want to start off with uh, Mr. Claude Brown is going to talk about, he's a neighborhood resident of Beltline. He's going to talk a little bit about what this building means to him um, and why we should be working to save it. I'm sorry, I say Claude Brown. Let me rephrase it, Gerald Boyd, I'm sorry. That's the way you come right from work. So Ms. Gerald Boyd, Beltline. Thank you, Corey. My name is Gerald Boyd. I grew up at 480 Beltline, right here in Memphis, Tennessee. I drove by there just now. This morning, the house is still standing. Next to it, the house is where my great-grandfather lived at 488 Beltline. House is still standing, still looks good. Uh, I grew up here in Orange Mound. I was around when they built the Coliseum. Saw it built, it's got good bones. It needs to be preserved. I think it can be the next Sears Crosstown in Memphis project, just like the Crosstown Concourse. Yeah. Yeah. This book by Bill Holstrom, Holtum, is a great uh, documentation of what can happen here at the Coliseum. The Coliseum has good bones. I was able to work when I retired from ML, before I retired from MLGW on the Concourse project, and now I have uh, support this project. I think it's a wonderful opportunity. When I go by Melrose Stadium and see all the children playing, red, yellow, black, white, playing soccer and football, we are with the 901 project. I think the two projects are not mutually exclusive. We support that effort, but we want to keep this. This is a gathering place for the citizens of Memphis. We own it, we love it, and we want to see it viable again. Thank you very much. So next we're gonna turn over to uh, Marvin. Marvin's gonna talk a little bit about the ongoing effort for the past decade and the plan that exists for how to make this, this building a viable jewel in this community. Marvin. Thank you, Corey. So the Coliseum Coalition has been around for about eight years and we've been, we've been working uh, with the city uh, for most of that. To, to find uh, a, a vision for the building. We, uh, we've come, and in the, over the last two years, we've done some pre-development work. Uh, and we've been working with the consultants that 
uh, to speak to Mr. Boyd's point, that uh, that helped reimagine Crosstown Concourse. And we've yes, had some sir. of the same brain trust working with us. And if you can imagine for a minute what this building might become if we took a mixed-use development perspective. What, what if we were to say uh, events plus fixed uses such that we would have a diversified portfolio of use types? You know, what if we took that approach like Crosstown Concourse did? Um, this plan that we have, the Mid-South Coliseum Development Plan, is the culmination of that two years of pre-development work. Wonderful. And uh, yeah, and, uh, and it's, it's, this is a, there, there is, a, you know, there's another old building, the Crosstown Concourse. It wasn't too long ago that people said, that will never happen. That will never happen. I hear the same voices piping up and saying, this will never happen. In fact, we've heard it for eight years. Um, but I know, because I worked at Church Health at the time and saw that saw the concourse project come about, that we, we can do that. Honestly, the Crosstown Concourse project was a much, much heavier lift. This would be comparatively, I won't say easy, uh, but it's very doable. And the, one of the summary conclusions of this plan is that the Mid-South Coliseum is restorable. Yes, it is. It's restorable. These are the same people that, that said Crosstown Concourse was restorable, and it turns out they were right. So I trust that summary intel. Um, but, you know, and now look at it. It's a, it's a 3,000 people course in and out of Crosstown Concourse uh, every day. But it took sustained creativity and belief. And that is what is necessary with the Coliseum. And quite frankly, it's what's been sorely lacking. Uh, from our administration and from Mayor Strickland, um, but there's an election on the on the on the horizon, and uh, we will soon have a new uh, mayor of Memphis. And now that we know all that we know, and it's culminated in this plan, now we know conclusively that this building, which two two assessments have, have shown, are in, is in excellent shape, including the city's own assessment. So don't persist in thinking this is not in excellent shape. It is. it is. There are there are plans to, for this building, and they haven't been allowed to come forward. They haven't been allowed to come forward because we have not had an imaginative administration. Um, there's never been an RFP issued for the Coliseum. If you put if you're selling your house, you, you put it on the market and put a for sale sign in, in the front yard, right? We've never put a for sale sign in our city has never issued an RFP for the Coliseum. How do we expect ideas to come forward? The ideas that have come forward haven't been listened to. I'll close with this. The next mayor can be different. The next mayor can preside over reopening the Mid-South Coliseum. That ought to excite anybody who's running for mayor. We know enough now. We know enough. Eight years of the Coliseum Coalition's research and the research of other people and the enthusiasm of other people, we know the building is restorable. It's just going to take persistent vision and creativity. It has taken us years to learn what we know now, but we stand ready to work with anyone. We have a plan. Thank you. I really want to thank Marvin. Marvin has really done a tremendous amount of work uh, over the past uh, nearly decade. Um, there are several people who have been interested in this building who have come, who we've met with, they've done tours with, who will support that information that this building has good bones, 
that it could be renovated and that it is ready to go. So thank you again for that, Marvin. Um, the last thing we want to talk about, the reason this is in the news right now is because guess what? There's conversations about tearing down this building and spend a lot of money to do it. Um, and some people might posit that we are against that effort and that is can't be farther from the truth. So we're going to ask uh, Leah um, Fox Greenberg to come talk a little bit about where we stand with 901 FC in support of, of, of having a soccer venue here in Memphis. Yeah. I get applause. That's a high bar. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand it. Um, I want to say that not only do I believe in historic preservation, and of course, I believe in the Coliseum, but I also believe in economic development. Uh, I also believe that as, as, as well as our good thoughts are, that there is a perception that this can't be saved, and there is a perception that we, as preservationists or as advocates, the last thing we would want to do is see soccer. And folks, we're just better with both. We are better with the Coliseum and with the facility for 901 soccer. If you guys look around here, and I know this was in the uh, news this morning about the Department of Blight, at the Blight Department, we have tons of blight around here. There are, what, half a dozen areas, and the map is included in your press kit, of areas that could be a future site of 901 FC. You're still in the Liberty Park footprint. You still get all the benefits, as does the community, get the benefits of 901 FC soccer. And I know I go to games, they're fantastic, but we can have both. We are better with both. Let us not forget that 10 million would be better invested in those demolished areas, in those blighted areas, than to tear down this stadium for 10 million extra dollars of possibly our money. Thank you, I will. <laughs> um, we have folks up here who not only want to see the economic development of Midtown and of Liberty Park, but they want to see the economic development of downtown too. And you know what? We got some spaces downtown. Why would soccer leave downtown? Why would we want it to? That's another part of our area that can be built up. We have friends in the Downhood Town Neighborhood Association who don't want to see soccer leave. We are better with both. Finally, if I haven't said it enough, we are better with both. We support 901 FC soccer. We support them coming to Liberty Park. We support them as a resident of Midtown. No offense, downtown. I like them in Midtown. But here's the deal. They don't have to be here. We have ideas and, frankly, for economic development, investors who are interested in the Coliseum. They're interested in preserving this. They're interested in the federal tax credits you can get in supporting this Coliseum. So. I think there's only one thing I can say in closing. We are better with, with both. both. Thank you. So now I have to follow Leah. <laughs> so just to summarize uh, what we had a speaker, we had Gerald come up here and talked about um, the history of this building. Remember, this is the first 
meeting and gathering space yes. designed and built in Memphis with integration in mind. That's right. 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 And, and so we know history. with the history of our city <laughs> yes. that is important. This is already recognized as a historic building. This yep. is the first building designed for that purpose. And I can tell you, me and my family and everybody here has participated in those types of events. Yes. In addition, there's plenty of things that this building can be used for and are part of this plan. Yes. Um, not only thinking about town concourse and different economic things, think about what was recently mentioned, um, a hip hop museum. Yeah. We look great here. There's conversations about a new Shelby County archives. This would be an awesome space for it. In addition to that, there's no wrestling museum anywhere. And I know there's some wrestling fans out here. How about bring wrestling home to Memphis? There's a number of things that this building could be used for if we have the imagination and the political will to do so. And finally, we're better with both. I want to see soccer in this thrive. And in fact, if we were to use one of the six sites in this area, along with this, these buildings would feed each other. Yes. But frankly, spending $10 million to turn on this building and $55 million in a project for a soccer stadium that is over in 17 games a year isn't it, right? right? Now, we may think that this is a new thing we're asking for, but the city has demonstrated the ability to repurpose buildings, right? Yes. You've seen that with Crosstown Concourse. You see what's happening with Northside High School. Yes. You see what's happening with the old Melrose. The city has invested in redoing buildings and repurposing. We're asking them to do it again for what I think is the most historic of the ones that we were asking yeah. for. So, um, to close, Let's not do this bad business deal. We know the people that make the decisions here at City Council. So we have a, an ask today. We are asking Memphis City Council, who ultimately decides how our taxpayer dollars are spent, before they get rid of the building that we own, we're asking for them to stand up an ad hoc committee to study the disposition of this building before any decisions are made and to hear from us about what's been going on for the past eight years to reuse this building and bring new life to it. Okay? Amen. So Memphis City Council, Memphis City Council is the one who writes the checks. So that's who we're talking to today. And we're asking you to stand up an ad hoc committee to study this building. And we want to put an RFP sign out. It's a good opportunity to do so and hear from us about what's been going on with the building. The second thing is we're asking the, the administration to come up with a plan to build on one of the other six sites that we have proposed. You've seen it in your press kit. We're better with both. Investigate those other sites. Save that $10 million, invest that in the soccer stadium and the Coliseum. We'll be better with both. Finally, the Coliseum Coalition, we have a website, Coliseum, sorry, coliseumcoalition.org. I'm looking at the sign. And we're asking for the citizens to please give us some qualitative and qualitative data. Please go on, tell us that you want to save this Coliseum. Give us your best ideas. Tell us the story that you remember from there because we want to make sure that the city council and the mayor hear from the public about their desire to save this building. Okay? So those are our three asks. We thank you for being here today. We thank all our supporters for being here today. Um, we're going to open up for questions, but also we'll let you know that some of us will be behind if you want to do interviews afterwards. I know some of the press has made that, um, made that yeah, yeah. desire. Oh, this is this is from this past year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Elvis Presley, Argentina fans. Miriam, G Gianluca, Jorge. That's so, incredible. So this, so this is so cool. I'm going to take a pic of that. So this is... This is exactly what you're talking about with tour buses stopping here and foreign tourists making a point they know. to stop here and they know the significance of the Coliseum. They know. Right. No marketing budget told them that. Right. You know? Yeah. They were able to know that. I mean, the fact that Elvis played here several times and recorded a live album. Uh -huh. I mean, in a way, you don't want it to be all about Elvis, all about the past. 
but Elvis is one of the most significant figures in American music, yeah. all of music, yeah. for all time. So the fact that he thought to record a live album here, you know, one of the tours we gave uh, was uh, cooperated with people in town for Elvis Death Week, uh, and one was Elvis's former head of security. This elder, the older gentleman, who at the time was in his 80s, he since passed away, mm -hmm. uh, but he was in relatively good health, very mobile. Uh, he loved being inside, and of course it was a real treat to be able to tap him and show us, oh, and I remember Elvis telling me this, that, or the other, you know, right here. And one of the things he goes, he said, uh, he said you know, I, mean, I don't think I've ever told anybody this, but you know what, you know, uh, uh, Vernon had us walk, walk the site over here and see if we might have might have had Elvis Lyons stay here in the Coliseum. And oh. I said, really? We happened to have a documentary film crew uh, in tow that day, uh, and I said, hey, hold on here. Hey, documentary film guy's off getting some B-roll. Uh -huh. Come over here, man. I said, did you know that they, they looked at Elvis lying in state in the Coliseum to accommodate fans? He goes, no, I've never heard that before. Yeah, they unpacked would've, the whole story. It would have made sense. It would have made sense, but in the end, uh, uh, he, he said, uh, Vernon said, I want my boy at home. Yeah. And so they had him in place. Right. Yeah. So, I couldn't tell you how long ago what it was. It might have been six, eight months ago. Uh, in Mayor Strickland's uh, e-newsletter, he made a point that the that the opening at the Coliseum lines up exactly with the youth sports building. Okay. And we know that from a design standpoint, in the original renderings, the building faced the other way. And then they said, well, that doesn't make any sense. Right. We should make it face the Coliseum uh -huh. uh, in case it were ever reopened or repurposed, yeah. right? Uh, but I think all the form and substance that's uh, the connectivity that was thought of in advance now just points to what we all know is what ought to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is a useful, incredible building in good shape. Two separate assessments have shown that it's true, and it's got all of this historical backlog. First integrated facility conceived and built with racial integration in mind in 1964 in the city where Dr. Martin Luther King gave his life speaking up for the marginalized. That's important. Yeah. This is the building where in 1991 black Memphians came together and surfaced the young Dr. Willie Harrington who became the Memphis's first black mayor. That's important. The fact that both those things happened here and were in such close proximity to Orange Mound, the oldest neighborhood in America built for African-American home ownership, mm -hmm. all that stuff's important. I mean, that stuff's irreplaceable. You can't create civil rights provenance or civil rights history. It either happened there or it didn't. Uh, and then you lay on top of that all the music, wrestling, and basketball, and Kiss, and ACDC, and Sinatra, and uh, the, the Parade of Stars for St. Jude, and James Brown, and, uh, and Otis Redding, uh, all the WDIA show, Lawler wrestling Kaufman twice here, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the Tigers, you know, and the, the 73 Tigers, you and know. The Beatles press conference. The Beatles press conference, <laughs> exactly. We're more right. popular than Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I know. John John Lennon got got the Beatles in a lot of hot water saying uh, the Beatles are more popular than Jesus. And it just so happened that the uproar kicked up and when they were on the U.S. tour and they were headed here. And yeah, and they, they did their press conference in Room F, and, my, and my, my friend Mike McCarthy likes to say, Room F for Fab Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, seems obvious. It seems obvious. And I know stuff's difficult, but you know what? I, I mean, things, to see it, right? some yeah. things to remain undone for so long because they're hard. Yeah. And it just ta it takes uh, civic vision and it takes tenacity 
It takes patience and forbearance. Yep. It, it takes those of us in the grassroots working together with our, our collaborators at, uh, you know, in municipal government. Uh, it takes philanthropists. It takes, it takes all those sectors working together. Um, and I'm convinced that whether it's been a perfect union of those sectors or not, I'd argue it has not. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. I still think we can find a community win. Yeah. yeah. For more information on this developing story, the Coliseum Coalition's efforts, and their detailed development plan, visit ColiseumCoalition.org. You've been listening to Storyboard 30 from FM 89.3 WYPL. Special thanks to Marvin Stockwell and the Coliseum Coalition for their cooperation in documenting their story for Storyboard Memphis. And thanks to our sponsors at the Memphis Library Foundation, and as always, to WYPL producer Vance Durbin, and to you listeners and supporters of the library and FM 89.3. This has been your host, Mark Fleischer, inviting you to join us next time on Storyboard 30 for more conversation with Memphians who make our lives here in the Bluff City just a little bit better. Memphis, make it a great week.